Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, this is where the best run. There you go. Let's see what the buzz is today. I have a quote from, let's see, a lady named Maggie Overfelt, O-V-E-R-F-E-L-T, in a special interview with CNBC.com. And she says the following, there are some job perks that will make millennials consider working for less by as much as 12%. Let me just read a little more. She says the new generation of employees would take less pay for certain job perks. Of course, millennials work for cash and good health insurance just like everyone else. And then she says forget about free snacks, the country's largest workforce by demographics. Millennials are willing to give up a percentage of salary for, get this, long-term job security flexible office hours, and a management structure that emphasizes mentorship and a better career trajectory. Very, very interesting. So let's get down to basics here. There are a few things that impact your employees' productivity, their engagement, and their well-being. It's how you compensate them. We typically think of compensation in dollars and cents, whatever currency you are paying them in around the world. But as the definitions of work change and the workforce changes, come on, you know we're big on diversity today and inclusion, telecommuting, who hasn't worked at least part-time remotely, contingent labor, gig economy, seasonal labor. Well, if you look at your traditional pay-for performance formulas, they're not going to cut it anymore. In fact, they could cost your company the ability to engage top talent today and in the future, and that is a no-no. That's a problem. I've invited back four excellent panelists. They were on with me here on Coffee Break Radio on March 28th, so it hasn't been that long, and we had so much more to talk about that we invited them back. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll find out what their inspirational quotes are. First, back in a moment, I'll speaking be speaking with Dr. Gabby Berlaku. She leads the solution management for the user experience and mobile applications for SAP Success Factors Technology. Gabby, that's a very long title. Uh, joining her is Lauren Pytel Bidwell, Ph.D. She was Lauren Pytel last time we spoke with her. Congratulations. She's now Lauren Bidwell, research scientist, human capital management research. That's HCM if you're following along on the alphabet soup side, also at SAP Success Factors. And joining these two ladies are two MBA students at Baylor University. First, we'll have John P. Weldon, Master of Business Administration and Master of Science in Information Systems candidate at Baylor. Welcome, John. And Chris Seifert, MBA student at the Baylor University Hankamer School of Business. Hope I pronounced that right. So welcome all. Gabby has sent us an interesting quote from Warren Buffett. If anybody doesn't know, Buffett has been the chairman and largest shareholder of Berkshire Hathaway since 1970, and he's called the wizard, the oracle, or the sage of Omaha by media outlets. He was worth just a mere $84 billion as of June 3rd this year, making him the third worth wealthiest person in the world. He's also a philanthropist. Here's the quote from Warren Buffett. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Gabby, I understand congratulations are also in order for you. Welcome back from your honeymoon, and I hope you're well. Talk to me. How are you? Thanks very much, Bonnie. I'm great. How are you? 
Uh, well, thank you for asking. Nothing much has changed other than I just built a porch swing to go on my patio this morning before Ooh. the show. That, that's the biggest news I can share with you. Gabby, I love this quote from Warren Buffett. It seems so on target for us to so talk to me. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Let's reference this back to our topic of compensation. What are we talking about? Well, first, I love this quote because I think it really applies to our day-to-day lives, right? After having planned a wedding, I can tell you that price and value of something are not the same thing. It's <laughs> the value of many, many things that we buy day to day. But when, I, when you think about how companies pay people, I think that there is this assumption that we can sort of gauge how much productivity somebody is bringing to our organization, how much money they are making for us as business leaders, and then we want to pay them accordingly. And of course, that's what's fair and what makes the most sense. But one of the things that we've seen is that as industries have changed and we're no longer manufacturing and creating tangible things, it's become really, really difficult to measure how much somebody is bringing in. So now we need to find sort of new innovative ways to determine somebody's worth and what we really want to pay them, what price we want to give versus the value they're going to bring to our organization. Very interesting. Gabby, and and traditionally we measure that by what? The amount of sales or what's in the pipeline or uh, how many people read a certain white paper? We used to have white papers, now we have blogs. There's always the search for that hard number in terms of value. What about the soft value? Is there such a thing as a, a soft value for someone? Well, they added to our thought leadership. Is that something that companies are starting to be aware of now? Well, there absolutely is such a thing as soft value. And I think one of the things we're seeing now is just a host of metrics, things like market uh, data, as well as things like sales, um, you know, clicks on a blog, if you will, um, all sorts of metrics that are getting pulled into these kinds of calculations. With the soft metrics, it's, you know, do you fit within the culture? Are you a pleasant person to work with? How do we evaluate that? And how do we then compensate people to ensure that the ones that we want sticking around stay? Thank you very much, Gabby, and welcome back. Delighted to have you. And now let's go to Lauren with the new last name, Lauren Bidwell. And Lauren has sent us a quote from GBS, George Bernard Shaw, 1856 to 1950. He likes to be called just Bernard Shaw. Who knew? We still call him George Bernard Shaw. Irish playwright, critic, polemicist, and political activist. Uh, He wrote more than 60 plays, including a few you might know, Man and Superman, 1902, Pygmalion. We know that is My Fair Lady, 1920. And it certainly has survived in St. Joan in 1923. He actually got, was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1925. And he is ranked number two only after Shakespeare among British dramatists. What do you think about that? And here is the quote Lauren has selected from GBS, George Bernard Shaw. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Lauren, I love this quote. Every time I see it, I can't stop laughing. Talk to me. Welcome back. Congratulations on your marriage and your PhD. You're certainly doing a lot of important life changes this year. And tell me, how did you pick this quote for us today, Lauren? 
Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks for having us all back. I know we all really enjoyed our last experience on the show. Um, I also really love this quote. It is, again, very applicable to many parts of our lives. Um, But I really wanted to pull it in in relation to this topic um, because I think it might be kind of an unexpected direction um, Mm. and something to talk about in relation to compensation. So what we've really had this unique opportunity through the research that our team has been conducting um, on compensation is to compare very different perspectives. So we spoke with compensation professionals. We spoke with managers, frontline employees, and then we surveyed HR business IT leaders. So we really got this full range um, and view into what each of these people think is going on when it comes to compensation and what's Mm -hmm. actually happening. And it was very evident that there are some major gaps between these perspectives. Um, And I think perhaps the biggest gap of all has to do with communication. So on one hand, um, you know, we were hearing from compensation professionals that all is good and well. Our managers and employees are, you know, having good conversations about pay, um, et cetera. When in fact, the employees that we spoke with seem to feel like, you know, talking about pay is in many ways still kind of taboo. The conversations I have with my managers about pay aren't as maybe informative or useful as I would have hoped. Um, And then managers are actually failing to explain altogether the reason behind certain pay decisions that are affecting the lives of employees. Um, And what's interesting about this is that employees find it really, really frustrating when decisions aren't explained, even if they're positive decisions like a bonus. It's still frustrating not understanding why. So while employees are relying really heavily on managers for information, managers seem to have this assumption that, you know, if employees have questions, they have concerns, they'll come to me. If they aren't expressing concerns, everything must be okay. They must have the information they need. Um, And as psychologists, we know that how something is communicated can have a really major impact on how people perceive it. Um, And I think this is probably hopefully something we'll get to a little bit more this morning is this other major trend in compensation about needing to be more open, more honest, more transparent when it comes to compensation communication. Thank you, Lauren. Always so eloquent when you speak. Question for you. Why has it been taboo to talk about what we're quote unquote making with fellow employees, with anybody? Why is it something that you whisper maybe to your spouse, maybe to relatives, maybe to friends if you want to impress them if it's a good salary, but we just don't talk about it at work? It's been, I think you said it's a terrible taboo. Why? Why is there such a, is it embarrassment? Is it uh, not wanting to boast? Depends on what side of the pay scale you're on, where you fall on that bell curve. Why do you think it's been so hush-hush? I think it's a combination of everything that you just said. Um, And I think in many ways it's kind of been fueled by this perception that is kind of initiated from the organizational level that this is not something that we talk about. And I think in some ways that started because the companies didn't want to deal with the potential issues associated with employees saying, well, so-and-so is making X and I'm making Y. Can you explain this discrepancy? And maybe in some cases they couldn't explain that discrepancy. But now, in today's world that is very transparent and interconnected, employees have more access to information about salary, about pay than ever before. And what we're hearing from the compensation professional side is, hey, we recognize this. This could be a big issue for us. We know we have to be prepared to deal with the questions. And I think that that's where this trend towards becoming more transparent is really coming from. 
Thank you very much, Transparency, and that communication word, there you are. Thank you, Lauren. Welcome back. And John P. Weldon, MBA and Master of Science in Information Systems candidate at Baylor University. And John has sent us a quote from Aristotle, the Greek philosopher and scientist born in the city of Stagira, Chalkidiki, in the north of classical Greece. What's more important is along with Plato, Aristotle is considered the father of Western philosophy. And here is the quote. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Wow, John, that's really deep. Welcome back, John Weldon. How have you been? Hi, I've been well, thank you. I'm actually uh, now living in Dallas, so interning for the summer. Oh, wonderful. Well, happy to have you calling in from Dallas. So talk to me. Interesting quote. And last time you were on in March, you sent me a quote from Aristotle Onassis. So I did a double take when I saw the name Aristotle come up. And I said, wait a minute, got to change that in my notes. It's not the Greek shipping magnet. It's the Greek philosopher. But some people might say they were both Greek philosophers. Excuse my sidebar there. John, talk to me about this quote. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. What are we talking about here? Yes, so I thought this quote was very good because I, I see this a lot in just I say in my everyday life in general, and a lot of a lot of people, you know, hearing say hearing different ideas or opinions, and some individuals will come come to believe it at, at its word right away rather than researching it further. And so, in the end, how how kind of rela- how I could relate this to uh, our compensation topic is actually coming back down to the uh, transparency side of compensation and ultimately having a discussion over how how pay decisions are made within the organization and then ultimately how different people are paid within the organization. And I know a lot of individuals within within companies, if they when they're seeking information uh, for their specific jobs, then they will go online. So they might go online to different different sites to try to figure out well what what are other people paid in similar companies or what are other people paid in similar roles of organizations and some of them may may in the end in this research come to believe what what they're reading online right away um, and so what I thought was interesting was that talking to different individuals in our research was that they for the ones who were looking at pay online many of them mentioned that the pay that was online for similar roles wasn't actually accurate for what they're being paid or even what people they knew within the uh, same industry and kind of positions were being paid. So actually there was a number of inaccuracies online with what people what people are reading. And so hmm. sometimes, sometimes the information will, will be true, but other times it won't be. So in the end, information has to be sought from multiple sources to really kind of determine uh, what what in the end you're you're looking at uh, in the, in the in the case of say pay because you might look at a pay that's for a small company versus a large company or mm-hmm. pay that's for say a Fortune 50 company versus a company that's just not not on the list so there'll be major um, differences sometimes and so just information has to be sought from more sources and then also in cases like that uh, maybe worthwhile the person is. Depending on depending on why they're they're looking online now for more information and what what's causing them to look away from the current job they're in is mm-hmm. if it's a, an issue that they can discuss with their managers for them to actually seek transparency and go discuss it with their manager themselves and try to gain information on say if they're unhappy with their current pay 
what can they do to get paid more? What can they ultimately, how can they possibly move up in the company over time? So maybe you just observe the manager and other managers and figure out what they've done to become successful in the company. Thank you very much. Great, great perspective there. Chris, do you find in your research, and I'm going to ask this to John as well, do you find that people are very tight-lipped about what they're making or what perks they're getting? It's just like a big secret they carry around and they only talk about it outside of work. Do you find that that's true, what I mentioned with Lauren a few minutes ago? Um, I, I definitely think it's, it's pretty true. Um, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of it depends on, depends on age, depends on generation, um, ah. you know, how open people are. Um, you know, we're kind of regarding obviously salary and other benefits and, and things, but it, uh, you know, I, I really think it kind of depends on, on the person I'm not finding necessarily. I haven't found one way that, that yes, it is or not, but I think it's really a, an individual kind of thing. Thank you very much. John Weldon, let's get your thoughts on this before I circle back around to Gabby and let's do the up close and personal part. John, what do you think? Are people still in, in your age group? You're, you're an MBA candidate. Uh, when people talk about what they are making in a first job or what they might, I know you have experience already, what they have been making. Do you think it's a hush-hush, a way of either bragging or kind of hiding in shame? What do you think? Hi, yeah. So again, I think it has to do with, like Chris said, it's a very individual topic. Mm-hmm. So I would have to, uh, so for the different people in our group to interview, ultimately, I know for, for some of the individuals we talked with, they did seek information from other people they worked with, and then other individuals, they did not. And so I think it really just depends on the mm-hmm. possibly the industry, how it is. I know one, one individual we interviewed who was in a, in a tech company, he mentioned they don't talk to each other about, about mm-hmm. the uh, pay within his company because of the fact that they don't want that to possibly interfere with their workplace relationships. And so they want to make sure that when they're working together, they collaborate and work together as a team and are not stressed about one person being paid more than the other. At, at the same time, there are other individuals we interviewed, say, from the maritime industry, a couple of the people we interviewed who they were very open about pay, and so they did talk to other friends of theirs working in similar positions with other companies, and they found out the exact amount they were getting paid and types of benefits and so they knew how to compare themselves in that okay. industry. Thank you very much. And Chris, I didn't ask you about your quote, did I? We skipped your quote, correct? Yeah, yeah you did not ask me. I, I, well, you know you what? Not. I'm already tweeting. I'm tweeting about it, and I, I got put the horse before the cart here, and I said to myself, I'm ready to tweet, but I didn't talk to him about it. So, Chris, here we go. You sent us a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Her full name, I don't know if anybody knows or cares, was Anna Eleanor Roosevelt, 1884 to 1962, and she was the wife of... First Lady of the United States, uh, she was the wife of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He served four terms, and that made her the longest-serving First Lady of the United States ever, ever. She was a U.S. delegate to the U.N. General Assembly from 45 to 52. That's 1945 to 52. And Harry S. Truman, when he was president, called her the First Lady of the World in tribute to her human rights achievements. She would love the fact that you picked a quote from her for our show today, Chris. I know that. Here's the quote, and this is a good one. Do what you feel in your heart to be right for you'll be criticized anyway you'll be damned if you do and damned if you don't so chris let's relate this to our topic please yeah i think it's a it's a good quote i like to think about things uh, kind of from both perspectives so as um you know as some of these top employees that companies are trying to get and and as a company trying to um, attract these these employees so I, I think it really kind of comes down to 
some decision to make, and you know you're not going to be able to please everyone. So you really just have to do what what's going to please you, what's going to make you happy. Um, and you know what that comes down to deciding between you know working for different companies potentially, um, trying to evaluate offers. You know, do what you feel is right. Someone's not going to be happy no matter what you do. And and really, kind of the other way too for companies is you're as you're looking around trying to determine some of these policies, some of these processes that you're going to put in place to compensate people. Um, you can't necessarily choose everything, and you know you may want to go outside of industry norms. You know things are constantly changing, so you really need mm-hmm. to kind of put everything else aside and do whatever you think um, is, is really the best decision for your company, and kind of ignore everyone else and, and let them do whatever they're going to do because some of them are you know you're going to have problems. People aren't going to like it no matter what you do. There you go. And this this quote applies both to management and to employees. An employee can say, hey, I'm, I'm not happy here, and people are telling me don't risk your career path forward. You're leaving a job at a bad time, or it's Christmas, and you should wait for your bonus, or you've only been there six months. You're going to look like a job hopper. There are all kinds of ways, but you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And I've, I've lived that. I've walked that line where I literally walked out on a job because the company just wasn't the people I wanted to be spending my time with, despite a good salary and a good position, it just wasn't a match anymore. And that was why I must have been a, a millennial at heart. I don't know. I'm certainly not a millennial anymore, but that's something I think a millennial today would do. I had nerve. Okay, Dr. Gabby Berlaku. Okay, where are you today? And what was your favorite drink on your honeymoon? Am I allowed to ask that, Gabby? You are, yes. So I'm calling today from Portland, Oregon, where I am sipping an iced coffee. The weather has changed, finally, taking our coffee from cold or hot to cold. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I honeymooned was Belize. And who knew there's such a paradise down in Belize? My favorite drink of choice was a coconut mojito with real coconut. So you can't really beat that. Coconut mojito. That sounds delicious. I'm going to have to look up a recipe for that. Thank you and welcome back, Belize. I have a a dear friend who spent many wonderful moments in Belize uh, with his late wife and they always just adored going there. So it sounds to me like you picked a very exotic and beautiful place, Gabby. And again, congratulations. And we're so happy that you're back on the show with us today. And Lauren Bidwell, our other recently married. I don't know what our two guys are doing in that department. I'm not going to get personal today, but Lauren, and where are you calling from? And uh, do you want to tell us about your favorite drink from any time you took off? Sure. I'm calling in from Chicago, Illinois. Um, again, like Gabby, we also have some beautiful weather finally. The summers are absolutely hard to beat here. Um, this morning, I'm a bit boring. I'm actually trying to break my addiction to caffeine. So my normal coffee has been replaced by some green tea, um, but that is certainly not my favorite drink. Um, I would have to say right now, given this beautiful weather, we live right across the street from this great little wine bar. So my husband and I like to go out there, sit outside, um, and I've been getting very into the rosé lately. Um, Mm. kind of typical but it's a great drink for the summer do you know that uh, barefoot wine makes a summer spritzer in a bottle and it's a rosé spritzer and I brought a bottle of that to a party recently and just said, hey, let me pour you a little, let me pour you a little. And before we knew it, the bottle was almost gone. Everybody loved it, and they were all surprised. Are you familiar with Barefoot brand, Lauren? 
Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, and I know that they do make some that have these really kind of award-winning wines, but I think they are, there is kind of a perception that, you know, some of the wines are cheaper or whatever else, but that doesn't mean, like our quote today, you know, pay doesn't, or price doesn't always equate with value. That's so, right. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. That's right. I'm a big fan of, of Barefoot, and they're always on sale at my supermarket here in Durham. Exactly. And you can usually get two bottles for 10 or something like that, and I just, or Riesling and a, a Chardonnay, and then I'll pick up a spritzer, and I have an extra fridge in my garage in my new house here, so I just put the wine in there, and when I need a bottle, I just grab it to go somewhere. It's kind of nice. Don't drink much at home, but it's nice to have a bottle to take to a party. But I digress. Thank you, Lauren. John P. Weldon, where are you today? I think you said you're in Texas, and, and how's the weather there, and what do you love to drink? Hi, yes. Uh, I'm currently at work. So I'm working with Andrews Distributing in, in Dallas currently, so a beer distributor in Dallas. And ah. the weather is very nice today. Uh, yesterday we had some rain, but today it turned out quite well. And uh, right now, right now I am just drinking coffee. But uh, I'm looking forward to after work meeting up with a good friend of mine who's in town from New York and uh, probably actually having some beers. So late, lately I've been switching over to uh, beers that aren't quite as dark. So I'll probably probably go for a Timtress by Lakewood Brewing, which is a really good uh, chocolatey beer. Thanks. Oh, that sounds good, a chocolatey beer. My son-in-law is a big fan of chocolatey beer. Thank you very much. Chris Seifert, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? Yeah, hey, so I'm calling uh, from Houston, Texas. I'm actually probably minutes away from, from John's home. Uh, his hometown, but uh, I'm, I'm, you know, right now I'm just drinking water, and you know, I really thought, what, what's in my cup? What's my favorite beverage? And I, I really kind of came to the realization I don't have favorites, and and I think I need to to do something about. It. I, I regularly like everything I try, and I just kind of fall back into drinking the same sort of thing. So I'm going to have to um, figure this out. I'm, I'm not really a coffee drinker. That's probably just because I don't drink coffee. I, I don't mind the smell. I've had coffee, and it's not, you know, I don't find it find it off-putting, so I don't, uh, I don't know why I don't drink it. Um, but and I think I really need to, to do some work now on myself and figure out what do I like, what is my favorite, because I, I tend to like everything and uh, just sort of revert back to, to the same old things, even though I'm, I'm open to new things. So That's you know, right now it's perfectly- water, but I don't know. We'll have to figure out what's, what's going to be in it next. That's perfectly fine. We get such unusual drinks from panelists on all of our Game Changer shows. And if you just like to stick with your, your everyday favorites, that's just absolutely fine. As you know, I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days. But I've found a way to cut really, really, really strong coffee. I use an espresso machine. And sometimes I, I've ordered coffees that are so, so, so dark. And even on the bitter side. I like mine a little more chocolatey. Uh, John, going back to your chocolatey beer. So I have a a frother, one of those frother machines, and I just put about a half an inch of uh, very cold 1% milk in, and it makes a very thick foam, and then I use a little spatula to take it all out and mix it with the coffee, and it's a delicious brew. But right now, it's cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug, and it's a almost sunny day. It started at 73 degrees this morning, and we're going up to 94 here in Durham, and we're back to hot and sticky again. What can I tell you? got to water the plants a lot. We're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
News Radio. A little show I started back on October 5th, 2011, and we're now up to episode 332. If you're just tuning in, Coffee Break, it has an audience all over the world, and we talk about interesting business topics, strategies, and technologies. We don't get in the weeds. We don't do any promotions. We just get really interesting people together to talk about topics that we believe the worldwide business audience will find interesting, perhaps educational, maybe even inspirational. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We're going to take 90 seconds, and when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive into our topic today, which is getting serious about getting paid. How is your company compensating your valued employees? And if you're an employee, how do you get compensated with what matters to you? Part two. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app. Oh, you know the drill. We'll be right back. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network we're on the cutting edge of social media can you keep up when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. Very serious topic. Getting serious about getting paid. Your compensation, and this goes both ways. Are you a company doling out compensation? Is it just money, or are you giving perks that matter to the various demographic cohorts in your workforce? Or are you an employee who's looking for more, for better, for something that matches your value system? So compensation, big topic. I'm here today with a returning panel from our March 28th show, Dr. Gabby Berlaku, if you want to look her up, G- 
Gabby, you know, B-U-R-L-A-C-U, Berlacu, Lauren Bidwell, Ph.D., both of them at SAP Success Factors, John P. Weldon and Chris Seifert, both MBA candidates at Baylor University. And we're going to take a dive into the topic here with something that Gabby sent me before the show. She wants to talk about transparency. Let me read a little bit. Gabby says, organizations are leaning toward becoming more transparent about how they make pay decisions and ensuring employees and managers understand this process, but they don't really have a choice. Gabby, we got to know why. Talk to me. Absolutely, Bonnie. So we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about our quotes, how the world in this area is becoming increasingly transparent. When you think about websites like Glassdoor being so readily available to us, just, you know, a decade and a half ago, we didn't have any way of comparing our pay to others. Um, And as you mentioned, it had been a taboo topic for so long, we really had no way of knowing whether our pay was fair. All of a sudden, we have all these resources, all this data at our disposal, but the data isn't always what it seems. Um, So a lot of different factors go into determining what appears on Glassdoor or what appears even in a market data report that kind of serves as as the foundation for how companies decide individuals pay. Things like, you know, um, uh, level of experience, how long somebody's been working, their tenure, um, what type of organization they work at, what industry they work in, if it's a job that spans different industries, something like HR. Um, All of these different things factor into what appears on Glassdoor, but what happens is a lot of people don't necessarily understand what they're seeing, and it evokes such an emotional reaction when what they're seeing is a pay for the same job that's higher than theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's caused some issues and it's caused some dissatisfaction. And I think business leaders and the, the compensation leaders especially that we spoke to are very, very aware of the increasing transparency that's happening. They aren't quite sure how to deal with it. And a, a few of them had sort of dismissed Glassdoor and, and other um, types of sites like that as being inaccurate. And that's fine. But that needs to be explained to the average employee who's looking at that information as fact. Um, And so the one thing we heard from compensation professionals in response to this trend is that they know they need to share more than they have in the past. Otherwise, people will go out looking for that information themselves. But they're not quite sure how to do it beyond offering a one-off manager training and, as Lauren mentioned, sort of expecting or hoping that the managers are then trickling that information down to employees. So I think what we're going to see in coming years is a real revolution in how compensation is explained all the way down to frontline employees because it's going to become critical as they can get that information often and accurately somewhere else. Yeah, and I I think Chris was mentioning that before. Thank you, Gabby. Lauren, love to get your thoughts on what Gabby just shared. Agree or disagree? Absolutely agree. Um, I think what we often heard companies say was something to the effect of, you know, we, we as organizations, we don't really want to let employees see behind that curtain. But now that they have access to the information, if they're not getting that information from us, they're going to get it elsewhere. That is a reality. And if that information isn't accurate, what is that doing to our trust? Um, And I think that that's really the critical thing here is what is that doing to trust? Um, You know, another quote that I love, it's kind of gone around and around, and I'm not sure of the exact source, um, but I believe my manager at one point was talking to a customer who said, you know, transparency really isn't that complicated. It's more just a question of how long you're willing to lie to your employees. 
Um, and I think there's absolutely some sense of truth to that. Um, you know, we know it's really kind of a difficult transition for companies to go from, um, again, what we just were talking about. Pay has always been this kind of hush-hush topic. Um, so it's a difficult transition to increasing the transparency. But mm-hmm. I think rather than fear what could happen by letting employees, you know, quote-unquote, see behind that curtain, companies really should think and consider the advantages of increasing transparency. Um, there's some really great research on this topic. I have a couple points here. Um, so research has shown that employees actually understanding how the salaries were determined, so the process behind the determination of salaries, and believing that that process was fair actually accounts for more variance in their satisfaction with their job, mm-hmm. in their trust in management, et cetera, than did the actual level of salaries. Um, and that's really kind of fascinating. Employees in many cases care more about, do I believe that the process used to determine my pay was fair, was consistently applied across the workforce? Um, that's actually more important and more meaningful and valued both to them than knowing, oh, I'm getting paid the exact same. Um, And I think that John and Chris can definitely speak to this as well uh, as they spoke directly with employees. But we often heard from employees, they said, you know, I understand I'm not necessarily going to get paid the same as everyone else. There's a lot of factors involved. But what I want to know is that the way that my pay was determined was the same as the way that employee Mm -hmm. B's pay was determined. Um, So I think that maybe by kind of Uh, shifting the perspective on transparency, you know, recognizing that gone are the days of being able to make this a hush-hush topic. It's out there. Employees have access to information. So let's, let's really leverage our opportunity as organizations to be kind of the owner of that message and make sure that our employees have accurate um, information about their pay. Thank you. Very interesting. The idea of integrity, honesty, authenticity, transparency, uh, using the right measurements, being able to share them, and holding your head up high as a manager and saying, this is how we do it, and we believe this is the right thing to do. It takes a lot of trust on all sides, I think. Let's ask John P. Weldon at Baylor University. John, agree or disagree with what Gabby started and Lauren added? Please go ahead. I agree completely. So that, that's actually what I was, uh, I think, trying to touch on a little bit earlier, especially with the Glassdoor uh, commentary, which is that a lot of people go look at Glassdoor and they'll see salaries and they don't necessarily consider all of the factors that play into those salaries. And so there's a lot more than dealing with, uh, you know, the small cap company, large cap company, where is the company located? And there, there are a lot of different factors. And so in the end, even those websites aren't always truly fully transparent with, with the people that are then going to them to try to seek information. And so often, though, in our research, when we interviewed a lot of different employees and managers, what we found is the people that went online to seek the information, there was a reason. Generally, that came down to transparency within their own company. And within their own company, them feeling that they weren't being given the information they needed or wanted, and them feeling they weren't be, being treated equitably or fairly, uh, in comparison to other employees they were working with. And so m- many of the employees that we interviewed, what we found was that what they wanted was to be able to find information themselves. Maybe not all the information the company doesn't make all of it readily available, but they wanted to at least be able to find, in general, the compensation information about how their compensation is being determined and for it to be able to be easily understood and explained in a reasonable manner where 
they can find it, read it, and understand, okay, so this is why we're I'm being compensated this way, or this is why I'm getting these certain benefits. And then on top of that, many employees that we did, that we interviewed mentioned that what what they would like one would increase their motivation even more be if there was actually well defined performance metrics for them to meet. So when you start looking at pay and start looking as well at pay raises, well what what metrics are being used to determine if I'm going to get, say, this level of bonus versus that level of bonus, and what often there wasn't was exactly that. And so in the end, they didn't know how their pay was being determined beyond their base salary, and mm. ultimately if they would receive that bonus that year or not, even if they thought they put more work in than the previous year. And with that, that also came down to the aspect of uh, what they were discussing before, which is the transparency side, which is where many of these employees came to come to think through all of this, but what they really needed to do was, beyond that, if, if it's not being super transparent, be able to hopefully go talk to their manager and try to figure out if they can learn these metrics. And that's where the transparency, kind of depending on the company, actually changed too. Because some companies, they felt comfortable with that, but with other employees that we interviewed, they didn't feel comfortable going to their manager and asking them about, well, what, what's being used to measure my performance. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Very interesting in that comfort level as well. Chris Seifert, let's get you to chime in on this, please. Yeah, I, I don't have uh, you know much to add on, on companies okay. and employees with transparency. It is something everyone wants. Um, I will say it's, this goes beyond employees, though, um, to job mm-hmm. seekers. I'm you know, going to be at a point here where I'm looking for a job. John will as well. And I, I promise you, I see a job description. The first thing I'm going to do is Google the company and Glassdoor has done a great job with search engine optimization. The first thing that pops up is is a, it's a paid ad by Glassdoor leading me to their site. If I'm on my phone, it's going to pop open the app right away. So even if I'm not looking for information from Glassdoor, if I type in a company, that's the first thing I'm going to see. So you know, you either need to be making sure that that information is accurate or you need to have some better way to get you know my attention to tell me to click somewhere else because... If I'm looking for information and I'm, I'm, you know, before I've even applied, I've maybe read a job description, but before I've talked to anybody, I'm doing some more research and, you know, the first thing that pops up is Glassdoor. So it is really important that companies have a way to, to really get out this information that they want people to know um, if it's not going to be through that medium. Thank you. I, I have a question for all of you. Sometimes we don't want to know. We just want to feel this is a living wage it's good. It allows me to have a lifestyle. I'm happy with it. It's where I want to be in my job trajectory, my career trajectory. Let me just go through the panel. Gabby first, then Lauren, and then John and Chris. Do you, do you run across in your survey where people say, I, I don't want to have, I, I'm okay. I, I feel it's okay. Uh, I feel I'm getting a good mentoring. We, I talked in this opening quote from Maggie Overfelt in her special to CNBC.com. Uh, in particular, millennials are willing to give up a percentage of salary, actually 3% in exchange for long-term job security. Well, a lot of people don't even want job security anymore long-term. They want to be able to change, but they also want flexible office hours and they want to have good mentorship opportunities and a better career trajectory. So that's talking about millennials who are now, uh, I think they're reaching up into their mid-30s age-wise. So Gen Z comes after, and I'm a boomer, and I don't know where Gabby and Lauren are. You're probably uh, probably early uh, early millennials. Are you Gabby and Lauren? Where do you fall on the 
demographics. I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. Yep. So, so do, you, do you think everybody really wants to know? In other words, if you were offered a fair job offer and you said, this is worth my while to work for this company, I like their values, I like their ethics, I don't need to know what everybody else is making. I don't need to know what they're, how I compare to Bob sitting next to me on one side and Sally sitting next to me on the other. I'm, I'm good with it. I, I'm worth that money. I'm going to work up to making the company proud of me. I, I hope I get some raises along the way, but I'm just happy with it. Do you run into that at all or am I living in la-la here? I don't know. Gabby, what do you think? <laughs> So I do think there's definitely truth to the idea that there are non-monetary uh, elements of compensation, things the mm-hmm. employee gets back for working at that organization yeah. that have become very, very important. And things yes. like flexible work options, remote op- work options definitely factor in. Um, that being said, I- I've seen a couple of trends here. Um, one is that when companies compensate in a really innovative way, sometimes that can be appealing to people as well. So maybe the money isn't tremendous, but maybe they do something fairly cool with it. Spot bonuses are one example. I've also started to hear of some innovative companies having a pay-to-quit policy, um, where after the first year or however long, they offer employees a certain amount of cash to leave. And in that way, they're really keeping the people who are passionate about the work being done at that company. And sometimes that can be sort of appealing, you know, being part of that kind of innovative culture. In our research, to my knowledge, I have yet, though, to come across somebody that says, I'm okay with not knowing. I'd rather not know. I think that we are just comparative creatures. I think we want to know we're being compensated fairly. I think there are demographic issues in this as well. We know historically that certain groups aren't paid fairly. We want to make sure that we're not falling victim to those kinds of things. So while I do think non-monetary compensation is becoming increasingly important, I don't know if we're totally past caring yet (laughs) whether we're being paid fairly relative to our peers. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I did find Amazon offers pay-to-quit bonuses to disgruntled workers. This article is from April 17, 2014, so it's a little over four years old. Amazon.com will pay unhappy employees a bonus up to $5,000 to leave in a program that online retail behemoth calls pay to quit. The departure bonuses are not linked with firings or reductions in force intended to shrink payroll. Amazon is in the process of expanding its ranks. Instead, the program is intended to measure employee loyalty. Jeff Bezos, the CEO, said... Pay to quit is simple. Once a year, we offer to pay our associates to quit. The first year the offer is made, it's two thousand. Then it goes up to one thousand until a thousand a year until it reaches five thousand. The goal is to encourage folks to take a moment and think about what they really want. In the long run, an employee staying somewhere they don't want to be isn't healthy for the employee or the company. Gabby, that's interesting. Never, never heard of that before. Yeah, isn't um, it? Yeah, absolutely fascinating. I I can can imagine people going home and sitting around the table and saying, "Yeah, we really could use that extra five thousand dollar bonus. Let's wait a couple of years and let's take it, and I'll go find jobs somewhere else." And they start looking and, and cooking behind the scenes. Lauren, any comments from you about whether your research finds that people want to be they're okay with being in the dark, or the other perks that are not on the dollar bottom line are enough to keep them there? Mm-hmm. So I I do agree with Gabby's point that I don't know that that if given the opportunity to know what your colleagues were making, that any employee would say, no, I would rather not know. 
But I do think we heard from employees say, I know that at this point in my organization, that's not a realistic opportunity. So in order for those employees to still feel satisfied and motivated by their pay, um, I think, again, it comes down to having a good relationship with your manager, I think, is really critically important. Trusting in them and in your organization that, by and large, they're not attempting to kind of screw with you, and they're not intentionally making an unfair pay decision. Um, So I think a lot of it has to do with having a positive, trusting relationship. Um, In terms of other maybe diverse or more modern reward processes, um, I do think that this is going to be an increasingly popular trend moving forward. Um, So there was just some 2018 data that was released, um, a survey that, you know, financial rewards, benefits are still rated the most important factor um, for millennials. And I believe it was the second most important factor for Gen Z um, when choosing to work for an organization. But in terms of actually retaining those employees and engaging those employees, other things were actually rated as more important. So those things were, just like we've talked about, flexible work opportunities, having a good culture, a good company culture, um, as well as diversity and inclusion. So I think there are other things that companies can focus on if that cash um, monetary incentive isn't available or a possibility that they can do to really incentivize employees, not only to get them to join the organization, but to stay and be engaged and happy. Thank you very much. Speaking of staying and engaged and happy, we're almost at our crystal ball predictions round. But I want to just quickly get a couple of things that would matter to our two MBA candidates at Baylor University or on the panel. Uh, John Weldon, what would the perks be that would matter to you? Just give me a list. We don't, we don't have to go into details, but what would matter to you in, in your next job, let's say, that would be non-monetary perks that you really say, wow, this company really gets me and I get them, our values are aligned, and they're treating me fairly, and now I get to have blank, blank, and blank. What would those be, one, two, or three? Yes, so for me personally, I'd say one would be travel. Uh, I love to travel, so if I can do a job where I can go overseas, maybe put in London, Oslo, Singapore, different places, uh, that would would be very motivating for me, uh, which is good because I know a lot of people that are older and they have families that don't want to be traveling like that. Uh, the, the second one would be more responsibility. Uh, I really like to take on uh, different challenges, like that, different projects to work on. Uh, not necessarily multitask, but have like one major project and then other responsibilities that I can do as well and take care of uh, for the company. So I like to stay active. And I would say the third one would be you know, just to be a project-oriented type company. So to wear heavily... A lot, a lot of the work I do is around getting projects done um, rather than, say, the general 8 to 5 grind. And so mm-hmm. uh, in the end, being able to have large projects to work on and a team to work with because I enjoy working collaboratively with other people. Thank you very much. Chris, I've just got a little bit for you. We're going to skip the predictions for the two of you and just go with what you would like to have. Chris, what would your perks be in your next job? You know, I really think it's going to come down to what's important for me. One of the things is, is really going to be location. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, at the older end of the millennial range, too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a family, so it's, I, I want to be able to spend as much time at home with them as I can. So location's important. If I'm living outside of the city and traveling into a city, I don't like you know, I hate traffic. I don't really want to deal with that. So it, 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 I'm looking for a company that's potentially located outside of the city, or if it is really offering some good, um, you know, 
whether it's work from home or flexible hours or just some other way to really maximize that family time, um, you know, that's something I'm looking for. That's really the biggest thing you could do um, in my book right now that, uh, you know, that that a company could do really to to attract me is offer that sort of uh, opportunity. Thank you, Chris and John. Great reality check. And I did save a minute each for Gabby and Lauren to give us your predictions. So, Gabby, what do you see coming down the pike? Crystal ball, take a look into the future. Let's say between now and 2025, what will or will not change dramatically in terms of worker compensation models and transparency and and fairness and equity? What do you see? So one of the things I've been thinking about, Bonnie, related to this topic is benefits and specifically benefits around retirement savings, which is definitely a kind of compensation that we don't think about a whole lot. I know that people in my age range tend to really not think about it and, you know, be a little bit confused, in fact, by what they're being offered in that area. But there are population trends that I think are going to push this to the forefront and make it increasingly more important. We see a huge aging population in the United States of America and in many of the developed nations in the world. We see a lot of issues with programs like Social Security. And so increasingly, I think we are going to develop a deeper understanding of what it means to have retirement-related benefits as part of the compensation package. We're going to start looking for it more and more. It's going to become more important. That's my prediction. Thank you very much. I saved one. Thank you, Gabby. Great. And you touched a couple nerves there. Let's go to Lauren Bidwell. Lauren, predictions. I give 60 seconds, and that's all we've got. Go ahead, Lauren. Sure. I think there's three quick ones. I think the transparency trend will only continue um, eventually. Maybe not a shift to total transparency where salaries are publicly known across the organization. But I do think we're going to see a significant number of companies making pay scales, pay ranges, things like that accessible to employees. Um, And with this, hopefully the notion that transparency does more harm than good will be erased once and for all. And companies will really recognize the value of being more transparent. Um, Second, a continuing evolution of rewards to be more flexible, more personalized. Um, Some companies today are even giving employees the option to choose the reward that they want for themselves. Um, Ah. As psychologists, we know the value of employees feeling like they have a sense of independence, of autonomy to choose. Um, So I think that this is something that we might see continue. Uh, And finally, I expect that companies are really going to become more focused on closing the loop, ensuring that their pay decisions are actually generating a return on investment. Um, It was really quite shocking in our research to find how um, seldom companies were able to say with confidence, I know that the compensation decisions that I'm making are generating a return on investment. Um, Our survey results showed 60% of business leaders believed that the comp decisions were positively impacting overall company performance. That's not enough. Um, So I think that we're going to see this focus really increase in the future. Thank you, Lauren. I want to thank the four of you. Such a pleasure to reconnect with all of you, Dr. Gabby Berlaku and Lauren Bidwell. Both congratulations again, both at SAP Success Factors. Love the research, and thank you for sharing your insights and words of wisdom, and always wonderful to connect with our two MBA candidates from Baylor University, John P. Weldon and Chris Seifert. I wish you both a wonderful summer and all the best in your next job search, and a thank you, of course, to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. Aaron and I decided we both love our jobs because we work together closely all week long, and yes, we're happy doing what we're doing. So I want to say thank you again for listening. 
listening and hope this has been interesting, inspirational, and gives you some ideas about what your company can or should be doing for compensating the people who you value who make your company a success. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dr. Gabby Berlacu, just like Lauren Bidwell, PhD, just like John P. Weldon, and just like Chris Seifert. I'll be back in a couple of hours with Game Changing Retail Leaders, one of our newest series, 2 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel. It's Wednesday. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.